Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Dave, we're back for episode 55 of Plastic Model Mojo, and it feels like we're kind of late to the game because when this drops, it'll be January 14th, so it's our first episode of the new year. Yep. The last one dropped on, um, what was it, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve, yeah. So this is our first one of 2022, uh, New Year, new new resolutions, uh, new modeling year laid out before us, and we can make all sorts of big plans. What other than your bench stuff and your model sphere has been going on in the last two weeks since since New Year's Eve? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just, uh, I'm filled with enthusiasm. I don't know if it's the year turning over. I don't know if it's the end of the holidays. As you know, the holidays tend to be a time where I don't get a lot of modeling done, but I've been filled with renewed vigor. Although I'm still having a little bit of problem of walking into the local hobby shop with money in my pocket, and there's plenty of stuff there and plenty of new stuff, and me walking out with that money in my pocket. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on there. Well, it might be contagious, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Well, what's going on in your model sphere? <laughs> I'm trying to find ways to be a little more prolific. Don't we all? I know, but. You know, I got called out. We got <laughs> called out yeah. and uh, we'll talk about that later too. But, uh, you know, it was, it was timely because I've, I've been thinking if we want this thing to keep growing and, 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 you know, just see where this whole podcast goes, if we can't be talking about the same model for a year, model yeah. for a year. And I would rather not, I'm getting <laughs> bored with it too, to be honest. And that's not good. No, that's not good. That's how projects, that's how something ends up on the shelf of doom. Yeah, I don't uh, need a shelf of doom. I really don't have anything on it technically right now. And I, I just soon keep it that way. That's, listen, that that is, a, if you're talking New Year's resolutions, that's a good one to have. Well, it, it, I think the, the point is, I think 2020 was unique because yes. know, we, couldn't, we couldn't go anywhere. Some of us were off work for a while and... You know, that's what, what, what I turned to and yeah, coupled with the podcast, it was a good marriage. And I just, it just kept, I just kept rolling. I was getting a lot done all the time. And, you know, some, some sense of normalcy has crept back into our lives in 2021. And guess what? It's taking a toll on the old bench time and motivation and all that, just because uh, all the other life interferences have, have showed up again. Yeah, and and for us, it's not only your own, but if you have a family like you and I both do, I mean, in 2020, the kids didn't have any activities, you know, all that stuff of running to volleyball, running to archery, running to swim, swim practice or whatever, that all died away. So it gave us all this extra time. And now that life is returning slowly to normal, you know, those of us with, with family and kids it's some of that time is now getting filled up running them to practice and, and attending their tournaments and, and doing all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I want to become more efficient. 
uh, I've got to find a way to become more efficient. Uh, and I've got one more thing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this is modeling fluid or old age or what. Probably both. Last episode, I, I credited Eric Simmelmayer from, for sending me those fantasy miniatures. And, uh, I ended up telling him that, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and my road is like silky smooth. <laughs> I, I apologize for getting that wrong. It was Ethan Idenmill who sent me those figures and I, I, I don't appreciate it any less Ethan, but uh, I wanted to correct that. And I was really reluctant to even bring it up again because I thought I would get it wrong again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'd like to credit it to the modeling fluid because that's a temporary situation. If you credit it to the old age, that becomes a little more of a permanent problem. But, uh, heck, you shouldn't feel bad. I killed off the, uh, the head judge of IPMS in one of our episodes. That's right. And, and then, I had to. And we had to bring bring him back to life. I had Bob Lomasaro's name wrong for like four episodes. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, yeah. it's the thought that counts. Rank amateurs we are. That's right. Well, that's my modeling sphere. Well, good. Mike, uh, speaking of modeling fluid, uh, do you have a modeling fluid in hand? I do. It's possibly a repeat by me, maybe by you. I don't know. Uh, I'm on the beer wagon tonight, and I am drinking uh, zombie dust from Three Floyds. I have done zombie dust before. Okay. Well, I'll still uh, wrap it up at the end, even though... It is good, and we may have similar opinions, but, uh, you know, Three Floyds, I, I need to see if they got anything new. They do have a new one. Oh, God, I just saw it. It's not the laser one. What the heck was it? We'll have to check, and, and we'll put that in the show notes, too, why not? But, yes, I do believe <laughs> they've released another one. Well, I'm enjoying it, but uh, our little technical difficulty at the front end took about half of it. So Uh-oh. maybe during our... Uh, word from a sponsor i might have to crack another one but that's what i got and you're rattling you're rattling ice in a glass so yes. what's what you working on there well uh, i'm actually i am honoring mike my podcast partner mike with my modeling fluid which happens to be bullet bourbon in a glass with a ice ball in it you know we'll wrap it up at the end but as you know from this being your bourbon of choice it's a fine, fine way to uh, spend an evening modeling and, and sipping. Well, is it the uh, the orange label or did you get something else? No, orange label. Okay. So it's, I, I don't know if it's a six or an eight. It's not on the label. So. Yeah, it's not on the label. I'll tell you, it, it tastes and it may like... it maybe neither. It's possible. You're right. It, it could actually... Well, uh, uh, given the car, the color... You know, the the more it's aged, the more bourbon becomes darker, uh, which is one quick way of looking at bourbons and judging them. But uh, that, well, we'll, that, we'll save that for later. Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll hit the Google machine or something coming. In. But <laughs> it's 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 smooth. It's a wonderful drink. The holidays made not only us busy, but a lot of other people. So the mailbag's a little lighter than normal. But, you know, I'm still pleased with what we got. Well, good. So, seems uh, a lot of folks did not let the holidays affect their interaction with Plastic Model Mojo, and we really appreciate that. So step it up, folks. See if we can outdo this in the coming two weeks. But let's get into this. All right. Once again, where's my glasses? <laughs> On the top of your head. 
No, they weren't. They're over in the corner of my workbench. Okay. That's a good place <laughs> for them, too. Oh, Rock Rozak has sent us an announcement from uh, Detail and Scale. Oh, really? Yes. They have part two of their FJ Fury in Detail and Scale has been released. Neat little airplane. That old Navy bird. Um, yeah. They got a new book. There's both the digital and print edition. Lots of pages, lots of photos, lots of profiles. Yep. I love their stuff. Detail and scale. You. So uh, check it out. Check it out. www.detailandscale.com. And he hopes to see us in Omaha. Uh, definitely. And he's acquired a taste for bourbon. All right. Well, <laughs> You have to come visit us at room, whatever it happens to be. That's right. Well, Leo Posner's back, and he's from uh, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And and batteries thrown at uh, football games. <laughs> Among other things. <laughs> <laughs> so regarding episode 53, uh, I guess that was Tool Envy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his most frequently used tools on most builds is his David Union ergonomic pen sander. Hmm. Comes with multiple adapters and several grades of sandpaper, and you can adjust the speed and smooth out just hard to reach areas and all that jazz. And he uh, knows Doctor Miller, Doctor Strangebrush carry these at one point. And I, yes. Yeah, we do. We do mention David Union Power Tools in the, in our in our message. Yep, yep. And, he does uh, carry them. Maybe he still does if it's still yep. available. Yep. Oh, I, I believe it is. I believe that's a a current item and. Uh, you know, I may have to check that out. I know a number of people who've gotten them and really like them. All right. Well, he's got a question for us, too. Sure. You know, he primarily builds commercial airliners, and uh, he started to branch out into other subjects. And uh, especially after this year, as some of these manufacturers have re-released new or retooled kits. Uh, he's presently working on uh, Ravel's Bucket Excavator. Uh-huh. He, he purchased uh, a kit. They have a it's cruise ship. Yep. The Ida or Ada? Yeah, I believe so. Some, uh, I, or excuse me, A-I-D-A. Ada, maybe. I don't know. Not familiar with that. And uh, their offshore oil rig. And those are all three really interesting kits. You know, we when we talk about modeling, we talk about aircraft armor, figures, maybe some sci-fi. But the variation that's out there in modeling subjects is is nearly endless. Um, I know I have in my stash both a model uh, a model kit of Goiza, you know the uh, Japanese dumplings. Yes, and I and I have a model kit of an undersea exploration vehicle, which is in seventy second scale. By the way, Hasegawa makes it. I mean, it's amazing all of the different things that are turned into model kits. And it says his most re- recent one is uh, Ravel's VW T1 camper kit will be his first automobile. Uh, he says both both of us focus on military subjects, uh, but have either of you, either of us, found ourselves building something completely different just because the kit was cool, or want to try something different, different skill, whatever? Uh, the short answer is yes. Now. I think usually there's subjects I've always had some interest in, you know, I like that. That'd be, that'd be cool to build. I'd, I'd like to, to build a model of that, you know, kind of thing. Right. I'm trying to think 
this E16 I've been working on, I, I've always liked non-carrier ship-based aircraft, yeah. float planes, right? Float planes, right. And uh, just that whole Navy reconnaissance, search and rescue, catapult launched off, you know, whatever ship they could. Yeah. And, you know, I've started to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, yes, I, I think, and, and you would agree, because I know you would, we've had a whole episode on it, and maybe we'll rehash that topic this year uh but the modeling outside your preferred scale and genre yep uh, a great way a great way to to further your skills and your interests really yep it, it gives you a little bit of stretch it's like stretching you know acquiring a new physical skill you're stretching your muscles uh but in this case you're modeling muscles uh probably for me the two that i have done that are most outside the common genre uh uh i've done one auto i did the tamiya kit of the uh 1994 toyota supra uh because i i have the one-to-one scale item and then the other thing i built was many many years ago do you remember monogram released a couple of plastic 187 scale railroad engines yeah the big boy and i forget what i built the big boy And unlike you and and Evan, I don't do model railroading, but it was just really interesting to me. And I got to say, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I also pick subjects in my my preferred scale and genre just because I want to try something new. Now, that may be harder to do in in 144th scale airliners, unless you get into like really super detailed engines and landing gear or something like that. Right. But, or, uh, or you go to some of the more esoteric uh, airliners that are only done in resin or vac form or something like that. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, and I, you know, we're going to encourage you to do that, Leo. Absolutely. Who is next? Lou Nigro from Crossville, Tennessee. He's written in before, but uh, he is uh, chiming in on our adhesives episode. That was a popular one. It, it was a popular one. Now, you know, we keep getting stuff. Now we're like, what, three episodes past that? Yep. He uses a tea candle as a basically a palette for CA glue. You know, the little mm. votives? Yeah. Little short candles, you know, like yep. about the size of a silver dollar. Yep. He bores a small hole in it with an X-Acto blade, makes a nice well for the CA. And I guess, you know, because there's very little air exposure, it'll last like half hour, an hour in there huh and uh he says he uses a piece of photo etch to apply the ca like a scrap or something yeah a piece of runner from a photo etch fret and then when it gets all lumpy from dry glue he just uh sticks the lighter on it and uh he's good to go kind of an unusual way to do that it is now it says the styrene go-to adhesive is from deluxe materials they're plastic magic less odor than tamiya thin and works just as well now i don't have any deluxe products I have the one. I've got glue and glaze, but that's the only. No, I take that back. I've also got their uh, liquid gravity, which is uh, basically very tiny lead shot. Okay, and that's for like waiting the nose of your right. tri- tricycles. Yes, if 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 you've got a tricycle aircraft and you need to put weight in the nose to keep it from being a tail sitter, you can. And this stuff is super fine, almost like sand. Okay. But it's it's made a lead shot, so you know you can pour it into any cavity, and it will conform to the cavity, and then you just uh, 
you know, put some epoxy over it or something like that to hold it in place. And, uh, uh, you know, you can get a lot of weight in, particularly if, if the aircraft you're modeling doesn't have a lot of opportunity for places to put that weight. All right. Next up is Branson Smith from Charlestown, Indiana. Ah, he's catching up on the episodes and keeps hearing you talk about the dark times in reference to the amount of model time. <laughs> he says he laughs because he's the mother of all dark. He has a two-year-old and a two-month-old, both girls. Oh, Lord, Lord bless you. I've got a 14 and a 17-year-old. You have no idea what's ahead of you. He says, needless to say, I get I don't get a lot of modeling done. <laughs> but he appreciates our entertainment. So, well, okay. I hope you're able to rectify that, Branson. Absolutely. You know, find find a way to squeeze in a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And finally, from the email submissions, uh, we have Duncan Young from uh, IPMS Hamilton. And he's got a couple of things he'd like us to talk about. One of them being HeritageCon, being back for 2022, provided that uh, (laughs) COVID doesn't jack it all up again. And this is going to be at the Warplane Heritage Museum, as you've heard Stuart Clark talk about on on Scale Model Podcast in Hamilton, Ontario. And right now it's scheduled for March twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. We got you and I got to look at a calendar, man. I uh, know we do. Yeah, we got to figure that out. I'd rather it be on the twenty sixth, which is a Saturday, I think. But uh, for some reason, Cleveland and Hamilton both have their shows on Sundays, and that to me is really weird timing. Because almost every every show is Saturday. Hey, if it works, it works. Yep. No, that's our that's our problem, not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says a key note they're aiming to get across is they're using an online entry registration form to assist in tracking attendance and speeding up the process on the day of the event, which is a great idea. Yes, absolutely. Every show, every club putting on a show that has an ability to do that should do that. It will it will make your life so much easier well especially if they're like fillable pdfs and you don't have to handwrite all that stuff right exactly in addition to that he says he realizes they may have left the submission date for the musaru cup entries a little bit ambiguous Uh oh this is important to you yeah it is and for everybody else and i i suspect he's reached out to them as well but uh maybe we're the conduit i don't know uh to correct that error we are setting saturday march 12th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as the close date for the Musaru Cup entries. Uh-oh. So they want to be able to judge these two weeks leading up to Heritage Con to make the announcement during the show. Well, I know from the photos Goldfinch has posted, he's, uh, uh, you know, looks looks like he's pretty much done. Well, good on him, because I know TJ haven't, hasn't started yet. <laughs> yeah, but you know TJ, he'll knock that thing out in a week. I know, that's kind of his wheelhouse, so. Yeah. He'll, he'll do it and do it a great job. Me, yep. I'm putzing along. How's mine coming along, he asks? Slow. <laughs> if I get it done by the end of January, built, not painted, uh, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be pleased. <laughs> well, if you can get it done by the end of January, built, then painting, you, you're, you'll you easily clear mid-March. I think if I had the time to knock it out in a couple of evenings, I could probably get it done. Yeah. But, you know, you know how it is. Yep, I know when you're when you're 3D printing uh, filters for Russian World War II gas masks in 135th scale, it can occupy a little bit of your time. Yeah, it's, wait, it's exciting <laughs> stuff, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, that is the mailbag for the email. You got you got something for us. I got one. John Bryan from the UK it was listening to uh, our episodes, and apparently we were talking, and I said something to the effect of, you know, a lot of times I have only 30 minutes, and it's not enough time to be able to get something done. And what I think I was referring to there is if I'm building a model and the next step is airbrushing, especially since I use enamels and lacquers, 30 minutes is tough for me to get a painting session in from beginning to end. Or the other example I gave John as we emailed back and forth was decaling. Yes, you can get a couple of decals on in 30 minutes, but for me... I don't like to feel rushed, particularly when I'm decaling, and I like to try and decal one entire side or top of the airplane uh, or bottom. Uh, I want to get all the decals on in one session for that vertical plane or that horizontal plane. So, you know, I generally won't just put one or two decals on. Uh, And John was making the point that, 30 30 minutes is enough time to get some modeling done. Uh, And I agree with him. I mean, particularly construction. If If you've got a kit in the construction phase, if you've only got 30 minutes, you can get something done. Uh, In fact, it's one of the reasons that in general, I try and have one model in the paint shop and one model in construction so that when I do have only 30 minutes to model, hopefully I can, you know, I've got something in the construction line uh, and and can actually accomplish something like that. My problem tends to be that they they all move through construction and start piling up at the paint, paint booth end. My offhand comment prompted a, a very nice back and forth email exchange with John and uh uh, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, I was gratified that my, my comment gave him pause to, uh, to think deeply about the subject. In fact, he, he's got a blog and he did a blog post on it. And, uh, we'll put that blog post up in the show notes and, and let you read it. I think, it, I think it was a really interesting take on the particular subject of time and time management. Uh, which is an area where for 2022, I want to get better. Well, if that's all you got, that's all the listener mail. That's it. All right. If you'd like to interact with the show, you can email us at plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com or now that we're watching a little better. You can uh, certainly come through the Facebook messaging system. We, we like that too. Please, if you haven't already, if, you, if you're a first timer or even if you're not, because we don't, we can't remember everybody because we get quite a bit of, of email and stuff. Uh, Please give us your your geography, not, not not your complete street address. We don't want that much information necessarily, unless Dave's requested it because you've uh, been a contributor to the show. That's a little different, but uh, uh, just you know your 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 city and state and country. If you're not in the United States, we just would like to know what, yes. what all the reach is and where everybody's coming from because that's just kind of cool. Yeah, it is. It really is to get emails from Scotland or England or or you know the Ukraine or or uh, Australia, New Zealand, Norway, etc. That's just really cool. That's you know it, it's it's nice that you know that 
people are listening out that far in the world. This is the point at the show where I ask everybody, when you're done listening to this episode, if you would, please go to whatever podcast app you use to listen to the show. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed so you don't miss any episodes. Rate us. Rate us five stars if you would. I appreciate it. Helps drive the algorithm to show our podcast to more people who are searching for podcasts on modeling. And if if you've got a modeling friend who isn't listening to the podcast, if you would recommend it to them, word of mouth is the single best way for us to to gain new listeners. And I will tell you that our uh, our listener base continues to expand and expand. And uh, Mike and I keep expecting it to top out at some point, but it it's still growing, and that's fantastic. And that's mostly uh, thanks to all of you all out there. So if you would, please tell a friend. If they don't know how to get a podcast app on their phone, show them and download some episodes for them and, and, and get them to listen. Hopefully they'll like it. And subscribe. And subscribe. And we're not the only podcast out there. There are quite a few more at this point. And we've created a consortium website through the help of Stuart Clark at Scale Model Podcasts to get all these in one place. And you can go to modelpodcasts.com. And uh, there's links to all the podcasts who are participating in this little consortium. You can just find them all there and, and go take those links and listen and you can fill up a lot of time. There's a lot of content now and uh, it's a good way to get, get your bench time or your commute or whatever. Have a listen to the other guys. In addition to the podcast, we've got a lot of blog and YouTube friends out there in the model sphere. We got Chris Wallace, his model airplane maker uh, blog and YouTube channel. A lot of good stuff there. I like what Chris is doing. Um, yep. I need him to put up some more YouTube uh, videos. Ah, Jeff Groves, Inch High Guys, 72nd Scale blog. Always got something going on with 72nd Scale. Yep. And he's glad to help out, too. I, I sure know that. Yes, he is. He is He is a a generous and good human being, but don't tell him I said that. Oh, too late. You just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Lee, Sprue Pie with Fretz. Nice blog. Does a really good job. He does a lot of short hits, but he also does some really long-form, thoughtful pieces. And I'm telling you what, and every time I read one of his long-form pieces, it it prompts me to think deeply about whatever subject he's writing about. So I highly, highly recommend that. And then we got our good friend Jim Bates of Scale Canadian TV. Jim and Cornbread. Jim and Cornbread, that's right. So check out Jim. He's always got some fun things to say, and it's uh, just a good time watching his his productions there. Yep, and he just dropped his latest episode, and it's funny as heck. Yeah, that's good. I had to look for, look forward to that. And finally, we've got a new one I want to mention, at least in this segment, uh, Scale Studio on YouTube. It's a listener's YouTube channel. He'd like a little anonymity right now, uh, but check it out, Scale Studio on YouTube. He's got, uh, in fact, he, he reviews the one-man army stencils. Oh, cool. And he gave us a shout out. So, all right. So least we can do is give him one too. That's right. So, so check out scale studio on YouTube. Well, that's all I got for that. Finally, uh, this is the point in the podcast where I ask you, if you're not a member of IPMS USA 
or IPMS Canada or your local or your national IPMS chapter, wherever you happen to be, please join that organization. Um, I really want to say thank you to all the guys who listen, who've joined or rejoined. Uh, IPMS national membership is at a point that we haven't seen in five to six years. It's as high as it, it's been in the last five or six years. Uh, that's fantastic. It allows the organization to do a lot more. It brings a lot more people in. There are new chapters forming. If you're out there and you are a solo modeler and there's no local chapter near you, contact IPMS USA and they'll help you get a chapter formed. So uh, if you're not a member, please join. All right, Dave, let's take a short break here and have a word from our sponsor. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder steam back airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. Well, Dave, we're back, and it's Wagon's Ho for Omaha. Listen, I can't wait. I'm telling you. Omaha, been there twice before. Two great contests. I have no doubt this one's going to be great, too. At the time of this recording, we are 190 days away from the 2022 IPMS National Convention in Omaha, Nebraska. We got a long drive ahead of us on that. Yes, I know. Oh, listen, last time in 2017 with Terry Hill and uh, uh, Rich, I drove all the way there and all the way back. I mean, I don't mind driving. That's no problem. Well, the convention dates are July 20 through 23, so mark that on your calendar. And keep in mind that registration opens on February 1, so there's not a lot going on right now, but once that happens, once registration opens and the tour tickets for the tours open, uh, things will start flying hot and heavy, so you'll want to check their website regularly. Uh, as far as I can tell, these guys, are we know that they're very, very experienced at doing this to the point where they've got it down to a science. So uh, uh, I'm my expectations are high. I can't wait to go. Well, me either. Online registration again is February 1st. So mark your calendar and get in on that early action of getting registered. It just, uh, it's going to help you out. Yep. Set an alarm on your phone, man. But if you're planning to do one of the tours, uh, those do have limited numbers. So you want to, you want to sign up and get in. That's right. So, until we talk to Scott again, that's Wagon's Ho for Omaha. All right. Well, now, Dave, it's the Bench Top Halftime Report brought to us by Tackett Z. Tackett Z, the must-have model tools for the model maker. You can visit Tackett Z at www.tackettz.com. And uh, until January 15th, which is coming up pretty darn quick. Fact, It'll be the day this drops. It's the day this drops, so uh, you'll have to get your order in because if you do, and use the discount code of PMM at checkout, you'll get 20% off your total order. So hopefully some people have got in on that. I probably ought to follow up with Ed and see how this has gone. Well, I know I know some have because, uh, uh, by the way, if you have a problem with that uh, discount code, email Ed because he's had an occasional problem with it. So if if when you're trying to buy stuff and check out and you put in the, the code and it doesn't work for some reason, just email Ed and he'll get it cleared up. Well, that's cool on him. Yeah, good guy. What's on your bench, Dave? 
everything, um, which is the problem, which is why 2021 turned out to not be as productive as 2020. Although I've got a lot of stuff that's really, really close. Uh, the mosquitoes on the bench, it is probably, I could probably finish it in a couple of hours. It's, it's real, real close, and, and I need to just go ahead and finish it off. I was working on it to get it to that point, and then uh, circumstances intervened, and uh, I'm starting my work on chipping on the M30, uh, actually, uh, thanks to John Charvat and others and the guys at PPP. Uh, I got to get the M30 done, and so uh, I've started. I tried the other night my first attempt at sponge chipping ever on my Paint Mule KV-1 turret. I, it was a failure, but it was a learning failure. I, I learned, you know, it's the first time I ever, ever attempted it. So I knew it wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be Night Shift or Panzermeister uh, right out of the box. But I tried it and I learned some stuff that I was doing and that I needed to improve on. So I went ahead and resprayed paint mule, the turret. And now I'm going to give it, uh, hopefully after we're done recording this episode, I may give it another shot tonight. If not, maybe tomorrow or the next night. Uh, my TU-128 is a little bit on hold because the 144 scale B-52 that uh, is going to be a very late Christmas present for my brother uh, is well along in the construction stage. And I've got to say, I am super impressed by this Academy uh, B-52H and 144 scale. It is really, really nice. It goes together really well. So there's chaos on my bench. But there's progress on my bench, and with the turn of the new year, I feel inspired, as I said at the top. So you know, I've got some, I've got some energy, and now I just need to make sure that I can turn that into momentum. What's your bench look like? It's a flurry of activity. It's blinding. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not speed wise, but it's blinding in the fact that you are doing. A lot of really, you know, I'm doing very normal stuff. I'm assembling parts. I'm filling seams. I'm putting windows in kits. I'm I'm sponge shipping. I'm doing really normal, everyday modeler stuff. You are doing some high-end <laughs> modeling. Well, I don't know about that. You're not kit assembling. You're modeling. Well... I'm trying to get up the uh, 3D print curve, that's for sure, and trying to turn that into to my normal kind of thing to, to some degree. To be honest with you, for you, I mean that's that's a that's a bonus for you because you use it. Your it's going to be called upon so much at your work more and more, so that anything you're learning by doing it for your modeling, you're also building your work skills. It's true. So hand and glove. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, what's going on is I'm trying to push the ZIS-2 across the finish line so I can say it's done and quit talking about it on this podcast, for, for one. That was brought to our attention. <laughs> <laughs> Forcefully. 
forcefully uh, by the boys over at Plastic Posse Podcast during the uh, live stream we were, were participating in last Friday. And we've accepted a 30-day challenge to get uh, my ZIS-2 done and your M30 done 30 days from last Friday. Yes. So, God, we're... Yeah, I know. Four days in now. Don't don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it. Yeah, JB really put the irons to me. I think I got a yeah. JB branded on my rear end. <laughs> and, you know, that's fine. It's uh, You can go back to their their Facebook group and uh, find the link to that. And I, you know, maybe the link I put on our website will work and get you back to the, to, to that as well. I'm not sure, but uh, that was a, that was a great event. I, I really enjoyed doing that. Well, it was well intent intended because uh, you know, possibly they are getting bored with what we're talking about on our bench every, every month or every two weeks. But uh, that said, they want to see us get done so much. Yes. that. Uh, they and ourselves have put $100 on the line that we will or will not get this done, which will go to uh, Models for Heroes, which is the big uh, philanthropy for uh, our friends across the pond at Just Making Conversation. Yep. So it's a good thing. Yes, absolutely. We won't care. Yeah. How, how, how is the, have you looked in on the E16 to check the dust layer? Oh, it's in a display case. There's no dust on it. Ah. <laughs> uh. I have to give you have to give you a hack. So this is all this is this thing's all you know the devil's in the details, right? Yeah, well, especially with what you're doing, because you're not just taking a couple of things out of a couple of uh, uh, kits and just throwing them on the base. You're 3D modeling a Russian gas mask uh, and its filter, and and uh, you know, and the bag that it, that accompanies it. It's not your just, you know, pull a couple of kits, a couple of pieces of uh, weapons and stuff out of a mini art kit and throw them randomly on the base. It's not. And I'm, you know, I'm actually trying to make something that doesn't exist. So it kind of gets back to Leo's email about, you know, new things and what, what I meant by picking things that would have me learn something new. Yeah. For 3D print, I could have pick something pretty complicated and extravagant right but yeah there's there's two curves i'm climbing one is the cad curve not entirely because i'm i've got a a long background with with cad but not with what i'm using to do this and then there's just the 3d print trying to get it get it oriented right and supported right and and all that and just just i, I thought that this would be a simple thing to, to kind of learn this, to get started, to get my feet wet. Um, sure. That raises an interesting question that I know, I know nothing about CAD other than what it means. Are there a lot, uh, is there a, a steep learning curve when you move from one package to another? For me, it, it will depend on which packages you're moving between, but in general, for, for the most of the ones I've been exposed to, it's not as steep as learning it from, from new from having never used it before right yeah so it's it's not that bad but uh you know they're all alike in a lot of ways but they all have their quirks and and different nomenclatures for for the different steps you're you're using or the tools you're using within the cad package so uh i've, I've come up pretty quick on what i'm using you know i started out in fusion 360 and i was playing around with that but it, it had a couple things i really really didn't like so when 
SolidWorks came out with their maker package. It's called X Design. SolidWorks X Design. It's ninety nine dollars a year. I was like, well, I can try that for a year, and uh, I ponied up and and got that. It's all web based. You don't even have to download anything onto your PC, really, except kind of the interface part of it. So, really, it I like it too. But you know, it's still it's got a couple of things I don't like. I was modeling that gas mask filter. And there's something I wanted to do that had it been Katia, which is another CAD package, I could have done it. You know, we were talking about that. I was like, I showed you what I was going to do. And it's like, you know, this won't take an hour. Well, it took maybe an hour and 20 minutes. But had I not got stumbled by this one step and had to figure out a different way to do it, uh, it would have been less than an hour. And I, that what I want to do is probably in there somewhere. I just haven't dug it out yet. So we'll see. I got a good CAD model of a Soviet gas mask filter. I've got the hose. You're telling me we've got the next couple of products for the PMM uh, uh, modeling accessory photo etch and 3D print line. <laughs> you starting a business for me? Stencils coming soon. Stencils coming soon. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, yes, we will. So that's what's going on. I'm, I'm trying to get this done. It's, it's all the, the little details because I'm trying to make this base, you know, I'm trying to up my game a little bit on how I've done that in the past. So I've got little rifles to paint and I got a cross cut saw. I got to paint and I got to finish this gas mask and paint it. And where, where did that cross cut saw come from? That cross cut saw is an old offering from Squadron. That I think were Hysterex repackaged. Really? Because that, yeah. that to me, when you when you put up the picture, sent me the picture of that, I was like, now that's something you don't see every day. And I could tell it was a, uh injection item. It wasn't something that you whipped up on the 3D printer. But uh, I think that's visually very interesting. You know, somewhere at a show ages ago, <clears throat> it was old when I bought it. I bought two. There was, you know, one of those big boxes of stuff. Yeah. You know, that every vendor ha- <laughs> right, has under their table or on the edge of their table. And it's just a pile of stuff and you got to sort through it. Yeah. There were two of them in there. It was squadron package. They were from the seventies, I suspect. But, uh, the, I think the white plastic is, is the giveaway and the size of the sprues on them, the runners. Yeah. I, I yeah. think, th- I think it was hysterex stuff. It's all, shovels and hammers and, and the crosscut saw and a couple other things, but it's all that kind of stuff. Well, it looks great. I can't wait to see it all put together and on that, uh, on that base. Now moving on to the E 16, Paul, the float plane, 72nd scale. I gotta hope I've not hit a paralysis of analysis. Uh Oh, that's called AMS for those of you out there who don't know advanced modeler syndrome. Well, I'm in a bit of a conundrum. I've got to keep, the accuracy demon in check here because I've, I've found something out, which is I, what I said something about this in the, in the last episode. In fact, cause Jeff Groves emailed me and I failed to respond because another listener came in and gave me a bunch of information and I, I just got all involved and engrossed in what he'd sent me. And I forgot to email Jeff. I know he ma- emailed you saying, Hey, what's up with yeah. Mike? I sent him this. I haven't heard from him. Tell him I'm, I've, I've got any information you might need. Well, another listener sent me some pages. Well, he photographed some pages in his book and offered me better images if I, if I would need them. And I might, I haven't decided yet, but uh, it's interesting. So the catapult 
in those Fujimi kits that have the catapult, which is my E16, and there's a couple others. Yep, the Alf and, and the Jake, and they and they even sell it separately. The catapult. Do they really? I didn't yeah. know that. Shit, I didn't know that. It it is a fairly decent representation of a particular catapult. I can't remember the exact Japanese Navy designation for it, but uh, now that catapult was on the Issei before they converted it to a battleship carrier. Right. When they did that, they put a different catapult on. Catapult on. Oh. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. And the Issei is the only ship to actually ever carry the E-16. The Haruna didn't? No. Okay. Just the Issei. Just the Issei. According to this book, he sent me these pages. Yeah. So so anyway, already the catapult is kind of ish. It's it's the the inner workings of it aren't quite right. Yeah. It looks looks right in like profile view, but it's there's a bunch of crap that's missing. And you know, I was I was already thinking, okay, that's fine because I I did a little bit extra work on the aircraft. Well, shit, I, <laughs> I photo the die break. So yeah, maybe, I know. maybe that's a lot. Okay. I love I, I love your idea of a little bit. I, I retract that. <laughs> I was willing to accept the catapult. And I guess I'm going to have to cuz you know, I if I want it on the catapult, I got to use the one I got cuz there's no kit of the one I don't have. Right. Well, of course then again, you can finish the Paul. This is the beauty of this. You can finish the Paul and it is a completed kit. And you can still then separately work on the catapult and any part of the deck that you want to do as a separate kit. Uh, see, I think that's the lawyer in you coming out. I, you're probably <laughs> right. But again, I'm the guy who argues that... I'm a, I'm a project-based modeler and it ain't done to sitting on the catapult. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that that's a little short-sighted. Because again, I, I would argue, as I did previously that the ammo boxes that you did for the ZIS-2 gun were models in and of themselves. Among other things, you learned new techniques while doing them. Oh, I did. We're going to get some listener mail on this. I got a feeling. <laughs> no way to display it without the catapult, because I used the parts for the uh, the, beaching, the beaching trolley for... Uh, for an for an assembly jig, so but you can you can just sit it down on the table on its floats. Nobody, okay. Next time we go to a contest, I will walk you through the aircraft categories, and it is acceptable to put an aircraft down on its floats or landing gear without anything under it but the entry form. Uh, I guess, man. <laughs> I am an advocate. I'm a lawyer. I'm an advocate by trade. I am advocating for you here. You'll get my bill in the morning. I, I feel like you're encouraging me to uh, withdraw from my principles. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I want you to stick to your principles. I just want you to adjust the way you apply them. Okay. <laughs> you got anything else? No, that's that's about it. Well, let's get some crap done, Dave. You got it. Uh, Mike, what broke your wallet? Well, I think uh, your uh, your aversion to buying new kits is contagious. Uh, well, no, 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 no. I am not going to let you get away with that. 
you in the last. No, 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 no. I know where you're going and I've got bullet items to talk about all that stuff. We've just shifted our aim to something else. All right. Yeah, I, I, that is probably true. So no kits, no kits were bought since this last, since the last time this segment aired, which was. I can't say that. I actually, I actually did buy a kit. Okay. Well, it's, that's- it's not here yet, but I bought one. <laughs> so I've turned my attention to tools instead. Yes. Uh, I think this was an outgrowth of the Tool Envy episode that we did. Well, this has been a long time in the making. And man, when you commit, you commit. You're going to follow my lead, I hope. Uh, Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, go ahead. So, you know, we've been... Vacuforming is something I've I've wanted to kind of get back into. I, I... done some of it in the past. I just haven't had the, had the means to do it anymore since I moved away from my dad's dental office. Cause he had a vacuum form machine for making mouth guards and bite trays and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I graduated school, moved out of Tennessee and, uh, didn't have access to that anymore. Now he's retired and sold the practice and his vacuum former went with the practice. And we've been looking at these Chinese ones and they've been getting some pretty good reviews from, from, from some people who I trust their opinion. And I was all set to buy one because they're, I don't know, 120, 140 bucks, give or take, yep. depending on where you get it. But deep down, I wanted to buy one that was kind of from from a U.S. dental supplier because I knew if, if things went wrong, I would have an out without having to buy a whole new one. Right. And finally, I got the same model that my dad had in his dental office. It's, it's titled the Econovac and it's from Buffalo Dental up in New York. And I finally got one uh, for a price I was willing to pay, which was in line with what the new Chinese ones cost. And it's on its way here from uh, from Florida. Hopefully it'll show up by the weekend. Now, now given the fact that you recently purchased the, uh, what was it, a Wells, the, mm-hmm. the, the Dremel replacement? Yeah, I'm opening a dental lab. And that's what I was going to say. It sounds to me like you are opening a dental practice. I am uh, procuring the things that I like to use that my dad had because they work really well. <laughs> Go watch the little Paul Buzzick video, man. Scale model workshop. I agree. Listen, I, I've I've been eyeing those Chinese vac form machines myself. So well, uh, now you just got to send your buck to me, and I'll 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 make it for I, you. That's that's my plan. That's well. That's why I won't be buying a 3D printer anytime soon. <laughs> now, the other thing I've picked up here in the last week or so is I've bought the kind of the essential assortment of burrs and mandrels and bits for my my Wells Dental engine because the the shank size is different than Dremel, so all my Dremel stuff is obsolete now. Well, you can mail it all to me. I may do that. You may get a <laughs> crap, crap ton in the mail because I can't use any of it. Oh, that that's well. Didn't you say you could use one that you used to hollow out that gas mask bag? Well, but it's an oddball. I, I don't know if it's something my dad gave me because it's same, same shank size as the dental engine. It, hmm. I don't ever remember using it in the Dremel tool I had any huh. of them. So I think it's something I had from him. Oh, maybe, maybe. Well, what's your what's your wallet been getting abused by? Okay. 
A, I actually bought a kit. I do not have it in hand, but it is on its way on literally a slow boat from China. Uh, the Flyhawk SBD-3. I have uh, uh, I have a Starfighter decals. Uh, has done a bunch of decals that have SBD-3s from Coral Sea, from Midway, from Guadalcanal. And uh, so uh, this is actually all Jim Bates' fault. Because he did this, he went on eBay, found one from you know a Chinese eBay seller. The price was was darn good. Now the delivery time was a little slow because uh, I'm going to get this thing maybe in February, uh, maybe in March. You never know. Depends on when that container gets unloaded on the West Coast. But um, you know he he did that and he basically talked me into going ahead and doing it as well. And, uh, so I blame Jim. Uh, I, I spent, I bought that. I bought a set of Caracal decals for the 144th scale B52 because, uh, Caracal did a sheet for this kit and it has numerous aircraft that my brother flew, uh, including ones he flew in combat. And so uh, I had to get it. Man, the, the order process was good. The turnaround time was fantastic. I think I had it within four or five days of ordering it. Uh, and gosh, it's a beautiful sheet. Uh, I just, I can't wait to get to the stage where I'm putting decals on this B-52 because it looks so good. And then finally, with the help of the Mojovians, and because we talked about Tool Envy, I looked at the different tools that I was considering adding to my inventory, uh, you know, hot wire, uh, vac form machine, uh, stencil cutter. Came to the conclusion for me that the stencil cutter would be the probably the most useful option. And so I asked the Mojovians on the Facebook page, I said, okay, I'm considering this. Do I get a cricket? Do I get a silhouette? Do I get something else? There was near unanimous opinion that the silhouette was the way to go. And considering that I can acquire one from Michaels for about $149.99, uh, I'm probably in the next seven days going to pull the trigger on that. So <laughs> while, it, while it has not broken my wallet yet, it is just by the time this episode drops, it will probably have broken my wallet. Well, and we'll be well equipped after that. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be sending you my 3D print jobs uh, left and right. Well, if that wraps up the bench, Dave, let's get on into our special segment, which is a conversation with Mr. Brandon Jacobs from uh, the Houston, Texas area. And uh, we kind of talked to Brandon on several, several points. Uh, Brandon was an attendee at the Model Fiesta Model Show in New Braunfels, Texas, and he had a few things to say about that and uh, letting us know how that went down. He's also the show chairman for Winter Blitz, the Winter Blitz show coming up uh not too far when this episode drops, that's going to be held in uh, College Station, Texas at the Museum of the American GI. And not only that, he's returning to the hobby after a 30-year hiatus, which is also kind of interesting. So uh, enjoy the special episode. 
Well, Dave, tonight we've got a special guest from all the way down in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, Mr. Brandon Jacobs. Brandon, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. How y'all doing? Uh, we're pretty good. Um, just uh, enjoying some cold weather in Kentucky for a change. We had a warm warm start to our winter. Quote, quotes around enjoying. Yeah, right. Well, well, well down here in Texas, you know, it, it, it's a week, week in, week out kind of thing. And currently we're kind of we're kind of in light winter, so who knows what next week will bring. Well, Brandon, we got you on for a multitude of reasons. We know you just went down to Model Fiesta for that show, and we'd like to get a, a report on that show. And we know uh, you're chairing a show also there in Texas mm-hmm. coming up in, in the in a coming week or so here. And then uh, we want to hear your story about coming back to modeling after some time off. So how about we just get into all this right now? Let's do it. Well. You know, Model Fiesta was on, at least on our, our radar, because a uh, fellow podcaster over at uh, the Model Geeks, I think Darren was was slated to go down there, and he talked about it a few times, and then uh, he didn't get to attend, so you went, and we're always inter- interested in show reports, and what can you tell us about that show and uh, how it went for you? Well, I, first of all, I just have to say, those guys in the San Antonio chapter do one heck of a job on a show. I think that's the third model fiesta that i attended last 2020 was canceled and uh I, I, it's just a good show every year this year they had uh the additional challenges they 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 lost their location in san antonio proper and they moved to new Braunfels, which is a town just outside of san antonio which ironically is the sister town right next to san marcus where they're going to be holding the nationals in 2023 but the move to New Braunfels was, I think, really good. The the New Braunfels Civic Center w- was very nice. Just a good, a good overall, just really good. And for the first year in a new facility, the first year after kind of being on a little bit of a hi- hiatus due to COVID, they pulled off a nice, nice show. I don't know the exact model count. I think it was about seven hundred. And I know that down here in Texas, we did just have a little bit of a run with, uh, you know, the COVID. So I'm sure had it not been for that, that show would have would have been over 800. But it was flawless. You know, if anybody from the chapter is listening, all I could say is it was it was a great show. Well, we've had some shows in our region that have gone from, uh, well, gone to new venues too, in fact. And typically it's because they were, they were originally held at, in public school facilities, and I guess they're they're tied to some different or more strenuous COVID regulations, possibly or probably. So they kind of had to move. And uh, I think, though, for both of the, our shows up here, Dave, wouldn't you agree that the moves were probably probably pretty good? The the moves were excellent in that in both the case of Indianapolis and in the case of our own local show here in Louisville, moving to a different, larger facility turned out to be a great idea because with everybody locked in their house for all of 2020, guys are getting, you know, my, myself accepted, guys are, are getting models finished. And there are lots of models on the table. In fact, one of the things I'll be interested in seeing in 2022 is, does that trend continue? Or does it start to taper off as people get through one entire show season? 
Yeah, you could definitely see where that there might be a little bit of a catch up, right? I've if someone's built for almost two years without going to a show, they're certainly going to have a few extra builds, and uh, there could be a, a, a catch up there. Let, let me say this about changing locations, and and you know, with no disrespect to San Antonio, the the um, the facility where they held it before was was pretty rough. It was an old shopping center, like an old Kmart or something. And I and I believe it was knocked down, sold and knocked down. And it was not convenient for, it was on the, the west side of San Antonio. So if you were coming from, say, Houston or even Austin, it was an extra 45 minutes to get to the west side of San Antonio. New Braunfels is on the north um, northeast east side and it opens up and makes the commute for folks like Austin, Houston, and even Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, much more, uh, uh, easy, if you will. So I, I their, their show's going to grow. It's, it's absolutely going to, um, show, you know, grow because of that. Well, how was the vendor turnout? Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, it was a full house. The vendor, the vendor turnout was apt. They, they sold out. Um, you know, something for everybody. I'm, I'm proud to say you guys, you love this. I guess I've been back in the hobby long enough now that I'm now in that little bit picky phase. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. A little bit picky. I got a great, found a great kit I've been looking for for a while. And, and I actually vended and advertised winter blitz. You know, I had a little table with, with flyers for the upcoming show and I actually sold a lot as well. So it was, it was, uh, uh, I thought very well. Well, I'm sure they'll be glad to hear that. It's always good to be able to say positive things. And, you know, it's interesting when when you put on a show, there's always those little behind the scene, uh, like, you know, wow, this didn't go right. Trust me, San Antonio. Nobody was saying this didn't go right. Everybody was saying it was great. That's good. A lot of those things aren't so little either. They go on behind the scenes. <laughs> well, if, if uh, Dave, you got any more questions about that show, we just like to get them, get word out there that they were well attended and good and hopefully encourage more people to, uh, to get out there. Even if there's some COVID restrictions, it, you know, wearing a mask versus not going to model show. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a, that's a no, no brainer for me. It was no problem in Vegas. I mean, really? Yeah. And it's interesting because here in Texas, the mask thing, you know, it, it went away and it wasn't until just what a couple weeks ago. I mean, everybody, everybody got sick. Nobody's, nobody seems to be, like it's like a flu, but but there right. are people who are sick, and I and I am sure the the attendants had to suffer because of that, but it was not noticeable. A few faces that I expected to see, I didn't see, and and I don't know if they were sick or just you know were afraid or or just maybe were busy. I don't know, but um, masks masks were worn, you know, most of the time. I guess <laughs> everybody went home, I guess, and safe. I guess, yeah. On the theme of shows, uh, we hear you got a little show coming up at a very interesting venue, and uh, we certainly want to give you time to, to talk about that and get everybody ready for that, because it's, it's just around the corner, actually. By the time this episode drops Friday uh, of this week, which will be what, Dave? That'll be the, the 15th. 15th. 15th yep. uh, we're pretty darn close to your show. Am I right? A week out. January. Our show, Winter Blitz, is January 22nd. Uh, Saturday, January twenty second, which is yeah, two you know two Saturdays from now. Give us the the fifteen minute tour of uh, 
of Winter Blitz, what it is, where it is, how it came to be, and all, everything you want to tell us about it. We want everybody to know. You're, you're going to let me talk for 15 minutes. Wow. Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> um, the, 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 the brainchild started, um, you know, here in Texas, we get a winter, and it usually lasts January 1 through about February 28th. And it could be 10 degrees like last year, or it could be 70, but we do get a winter. And I've always thought, wow, there should be more shows in winter because people are looking for things to do. And, you know, shows have to be spread out, but it's nice to have stuff in winter. And if you remember here in Texas, we lost one show, Eagle Quest, due to Squadron's uh, demise, and the Lake Charles show has been postponed due to the hurricane a, a year or two ago. So there was this slot for a winter show because Lake Charles was typically in January. They're going to go back to May, I believe. But And then I discovered this little museum called the Museum of the American GI in College Station. And it turns out they have 30, 30 plus uh, beautifully restored um, uh, world, not just World War II, but but military vehicles, tanks, jeeps. Uh, there's a PBR boat in the museum, FT-17 tank from World War One. I. I mean, these amazing artifacts that actually run. And the museum actually has uh, two events each year: one in March, one in November, where they 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 drive the tanks around, a living history kind of presentation. And I thought, what would happen if we put a scale model contest in the same room as these awesome artifacts. I mean, we're armor geeks. We would love that. Here's our model and here's the one, one, uh, you know, actual tank. And uh, I was driving by there one day and I said, man, I'm just going to go in and see if they're interested. I mean, it, it was that grassroots, you know, there was no, you know, plan or anything. Said, hey, would you guys want to do a scale model contest? And they said, we're actually looking for something to host in the museum for January. And they said, tell us more. And kind of filled them in. At the time, I was really hoping that this would be, you know, a full-on airplanes, um, ships, and armor. But this huge building that you see when you pull up at the museum is also chock full with artifacts. And the reality was... Um, unless those artifacts are driven outside in the nasty January cold, you, you just had, we didn't have enough room. And so we agreed with the museum to do for year one, kind of like a test armor only show. And, and I say that because I want to make sure that to all our airplane friends and all our shipbuilding friends, man, like, like Rick Cotton, who is, 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 is part of this, my partner in this, you know, he, he's a big airplane guy. He's a big ship guy. We, I'm just armor, but he's, he loves that stuff. And, and as time goes by, we would like to expand it. But for this year, it's a scale armor contest um, with, with about 15 categories. We tried to expand the categories a little, a little bit to give people some, a little more leeway. When you say an armor contest, are you talking purely armor models? Or are you talking armor figures and dioramas? Thank you for clarifying. Absolutely. There's actually a one figure category. And, and, and by the way, year one, you know, we don't know if we'll get five figures or a hundred. And if we get, 
you know, a bunch of different scales, we're going to split. We're already prepared. We bought enough metals to split, um, but it's figures, it's dioramas, it's uh, uh, armor and obviously soft skins and things like that. But anything related to military vehicles, figures and dioramas. Gotcha. You'd mentioned in, in the email exchange we had before setting this up that it was uh, unaffiliated. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. We, you know, when you when you put one of these things on, the first thing people will say is, "Is it? Is it? Are you starting an IPMS chapter? Are you? Is this an amps show? You know, who's putting this on?" And we kind of had a we got we had a shoot from the hip on that one. And we Rick Cotton and I just said, you know, what we're going to do? We're, we're going to call it the the Texas Independent military modelers and and <laughs> and what that is is nothing it doesn't exist it's just we, we didn't want to call it brandon jacob and rick cotton's model contest you know, into, and it's going to go no further we have no you know no plans to ever have a club in college station now um i know that on your last podcast you answered an email from somebody in college station Hey, we don't know where this is going to go. If all of a sudden there's an IPMS chapter in College Station and they say, wow, we'd like to take a bigger part of this thing, I don't have an ego. It's been fun to create it. You know, it's yours. Take take it. Let's see where it goes. But, you know, it would be nice to have more contests. And again, especially when we're talking about a neat setting like the museum and in a town that has a very neat military history and a town that is weirdly enough, pretty centrally located for all the main metro areas in, in the state of Texas. There's, there's no reason for someone to say it's too far because it just isn't. Well, given that it's unaffiliated, I'm, I'm just out of curiosity, uh, what type of contest format will we be guys, will you guys be utilizing at this? We show? are. That's a great question. IPM. We're going to use the IPMS rules. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, uh, we, we we contemplated exactly how to do that. And I think we even put an asterisk, you know, modified. I'm not even sure what the modifications are. Um, maybe, maybe just not as stringent. You know, we've all, um, all the guys that are putting these on or are helping me put it on um, here in Houston, the Houston Armor Club guys, the Houston IPMS guys, they've all done contests a lot longer than I have. And they all get it, and they all know how to judge a contest. We have Eric Choi, who is, you know, the, our head judge, who was, you know, the, real, real big with amps, and uh, he he was nice enough to step up and say, sure, he'll he'll judge it as an IPMS contest. Okay, well, it sounds like you got a lot of support on that end. Is there, you know, I don't I don't know if you're doing any kind of pre-registration. But I'm sure you're you you're working on vendor tables and stuff like that. How's the support for for that? The, the support um, is real good. You know, we. We don't really have, we have a great website. It's winter-blitz. And, and when I say dash, like a little minus sign, winter-blitz.com. And it, and it has everything that anybody needs to know about the show. Uh, and we even have the forums, the PDF forums. A lot of people are reaching out to me and saying, can I pre-register? Sure, absolutely. You know, it's, it's not the most formal process, but Here's your ID number. We got a, a, a spreadsheet that creates your ID number. If you want to PayPal your money in advance, that's fine. If you just want to fill out your forms and, and get an ID number, kind of like how San Antonio did. You, your, their pre-registration was just simply you filled out your forms and, and got a contest ID, and then you paid when you got there on Saturday. 
you know, it's it, we don't expect the registration because it is just armor to be uh, a daunting situation. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Sure. You said you're, you know, the museum was looking for this as because they had a hole to fill as far as wanting to do something in, in, in the time slot is this also acting as is the museum using it as a fundraiser for them? Uh, are they hoping to get, you know, increased attention, increased membership or basically what's in it for them? I think I sold it to them. <laughs> I think I sold it to them as these are the kind of people that are going to come to living history in March and living history in um, uh, November. These, these are these are these are armor geeks. These, these yeah. are people. These are people who you know. And and believe it or not, there's a lot of guys I know here in Houston who have never been to the museum. So so it, it's it, it's a win win for everybody. And how we the, the deal we worked, which is extremely fair, is uh, any contestant or anybody coming, because it's open to the public, will pay the normal, actually, actually a reduced museum fee of $4 to get in. And then from there, and they keep, and the museum keeps that. And then from there, we just pay, they pay us to enter, enter models. So if you're just coming and just wanting to look at the tanks and, 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 the, and the models, you know, it's just $4 and you get into the museum. So yes, it certainly is something where the museum should absolutely benefit. And, uh, you know, I have to imagine, um, no matter how successfully, successfully wild it is or not, um, they'll have a pretty, you know, January 22nd is going to be a pretty busy day, uh, in regards to the history of the museum, right? I mean, they will have, they will have some good traffic. So everybody wins. And, and we had to, and it had to work that way because it's not a club, you know. We if if they said it's three thousand dollars that you got to you put out to, to rent the museum, we couldn't. It wouldn't have made sense. So the museum has absolutely stepped up. But again, they know that there is something in it for them. Well, Brandon, give us a shakedown again of the show date and the location and, and the museum and and uh, all the vital information they're going to need to uh, to get in touch with this show and get plugged in. Absolutely. The, uh, the, the Winter Blitz contest is Saturday, January 22nd to be held in the Museum of the American GI in College Station, Texas. The contest room will be the same room that houses the uh, artifacts, the tanks, the jeeps, the, the, the howitzers, you know, the, everything that's been restored in the museum. Um, armor, armor, dioramas, figures, and about 15 cat categories and about seven special best of best fully tracked best not fully tracked uh, theme of the American GI. Go to the website. We created a website. It's it's winter-blitz.com, and it is absolutely chock full with all the information that anybody needs to know that is thinking about attending. And my contact information, along with Rick Cotton's. And Eric Choi's, uh, feel free to reach out to any of us and ask any questions that uh, you would uh, like to ask. Well, I hope it's well attended and a, and a rousing success. So I think uh, all this is pretty incredible given uh, that you told us you'd been out of the hobby a while and 
this is kind of a big step for a guy who hadn't been back in it that long. Yeah, I sometimes, I sometimes get, <laughs> it over, I get it over my head, but yeah, I, um, I don't know, I guess 1990, I just put it aside. I, I sold, I, I, you know, I was 20 something years old, so I did not have that stash that, you know, I had 20 kits and, you know, I put everything in a box and said, I, I'm done and, you know, never to build a model again. And, um, you know, I, uh, in, in 2017, we redid our house and I, I found a box and it had a Tamaya Chiha tank in it that I guess I didn't sell. And I was like, man, I've always wanted to build that. And <laughs> here we are a couple of years later, I'm back in a hobby, you know, just that one little, that one little discovery got me, uh, got me, got me rolling back into it. Well, roll back a little bit. What? Uh, how long had you been in up until the point you you bagged it all? How long did I build before I got out? Yes, man. I I bet you I built my first model when I was probably nine years old, and I got out when I was probably twenty five. But I did not build a lot in college, as probably is a good thing because, well, you know, we're doing other things in college. So, you know, it wasn't a consistent period, but I always built and I built um, when I was younger. I tried to do it seriously. I, I probably wasn't very good, but it was something that I it, I was more than the kid that threw the threw together the model and, and stuck firecrackers in them. They, they did go on my shelf. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. When you got out of the hobby, did you save anything from that period or did all of that stuff go away? Uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> they'd all wound up in a box at my parents' house. And, uh, and, and I still have that box now here. And that is a, uh, a very, very resourceful spare parts box. Um, <laughs> I bet so. <laughs> well, again, maybe you said it and I missed it, but how long were you off? What was your, what was your gap? Um, 30 years, right? 30 years. I mean, I, I was working, you know, I was young, I had other things to do and I, it just, just, just was something that, that wasn't in my horizon whatsoever. So long, a long time I was out. I I asked because I, I don't know if you've, how much of our back catalog you've gone through, but, but my story was I, I was gangbusters and really competitive for a long time. And then, then a lot of stuff kind of changed in my life and in the hobby. And I considered a hiatus, but I was also kind of armchair in it during that time. I would dabble, but never really do much. And, you know, I was still buying a few things every now and then, but I wasn't just had z- almost zero output. This was 100% out. I oh, mean, wow. 100%. I mean, literally I, had a box that was in the attic and I, I was smart enough to say, you know, exacto blades, you always could use exacto. So don't get rid of those. And, you know, a few other things, but man, everything. And which was kind of worked out good because the, the, the uh, stay out of the hobby was long enough that it was kind of good to buy all that new stuff anyways, when I got back in. Well, that's a good segue into what we were curious about next is, uh, Let's talk about that return. I imagine that was kind of eye-opening. Yeah, it, it, it certainly was. I, um, you know, when I when I decided to start researching it, the first thing uh, it went to YouTube, 
and and I was blown away by the resources that now exist at your fingertips. You know, it's no longer, I mean, you guys remember flipping through military model or magazine and trying to guess what they were talking about when they said, do it this way or do that. You know, what, what the heck does that mean? Right. You know, now here's, now here's a video and I got to throw a plug. You know, there's two YouTube videos that um, are people. And one of them was a guest on your podcast the other week was, was uh, Panzermeister 36. Yeah. You know, and, and let me tell you, I watched Evan's video, hour-long tutorial on that Mark Mark 1A uh, in Africa Corps color. And, man, I, I just got to say, like, that that deserves, like, a YouTube award, never mind a modeler's award. I mean, <laughs> it just – in fact, I got the, I got a Mark 1 under construction, and he's motivated me. Um, but, the, but things like that, like, here's this guy building this video – that's showing you step by step how to do it. And then the other guy who really kind of tipped it. Now, remember, this is back in 2017, and it was before his, I think he's gotten a lot more fame since then. It was Andy's Hobbies. I mean, here's this guy, you know, putting these videos out and he's building these kits. And it was refreshing to see that, no, I don't have to. Uh, bombard this thing with photo etch. I don't have to, you know, we're going to build these models and we're going to be happy with them. And it was very like, like part of the reason I got out is I felt that if you weren't going to the nth degree, you were not in the hobby. And when I went back in, I was like, I don't want to go to that crazy level, but I want to go to where I could put my models on a, on a table in San Antonio and hopefully win. When you got back in, did you have, uh, did you find the local club? Did you go quickly to meet other fellow modelers on the ground or was your entry back into the hobby purely you sitting in a room watching YouTube videos and, you know, doing it from there? What a great question. Um, and I, and, and shame on me for not mentioning it. It's not just YouTube, you know, the clubs. I, I, have, I found my way over to the Houston Armor Club. And the Houston Armor Club is a group of armor guys who are also IPMS and AMPS guys, but they, they formed many, many years ago this, here we go again, this independent group of just armor modelers. And they meet, we meet once, once a month. And I wound up there before I got to the Houston IPMS chapter. And I don't, you know, it's, it's a little bit tough in here, here in Houston because it's, it's a meeting in Houston, but it's almost an hour from my house, right? Just to get there. So I typically go every month to the Houston Armor Club because there's a little more direct talk about what I'm interested in. Nothing against Houston IPMS as well. I get there. I'll probably go to tomorrow night. There's a meeting. Um, but the, the Houston Armor Club, definitely, I got some early um, confidence uh, compliments from some of the guys. And, you know, it was like, welcome back. And, yeah, if you do this, this, and this. And, and, it, and, and that encouraged me to continue to build as well. I, I, think, the, I think the YouTube video alone is is not enough. I would encourage anybody that gets back into into the hobby is immediately find that chapter, whether it's IPMS amps or 
you know, some crazy little Houston Armor Club group and 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 definitely start attending those meetings. Well, that that's that's a compliment to that group of guys. Uh, uh, the you can tell a good club when you go when you're new and you're new back in, into the hobby or back into the hobby and you go to a club and it's a positive experience. You get feedback that's positive. You get encouragement. Uh, you know, we've all heard a horror story of some some new guy going to a club. And the the one cranky member corners him and and just craps all over everything, and and so it's a real compliment to those guys that you felt a positive influence and kept going back. And and I and it's meant to be nothing more than a compliment. And and those guys who will listen to this, thank you because it it certainly. It could have gone either way. You're right. If that one, as you say, that one cranky member says, oh, this looks like crap, you know, you never go back again. And that, exactly. that's just not, that didn't happen. I could assure you. Well, Evan's a listener. I'm sure he'll be happy to hear uh, he helped get you over the over the hump again. You know, he's not much older than you were when you quit the first time. Yeah, I know he's a young guy. I know he's a young guy. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, Evan, he, you know, he, he and Mike are both engineers by trade, but Evan is such a natural teacher. I don't know. In fact, next time we have him on, cause we're going to have him on again. I'd like to talk to him about that because, uh, I don't know where it comes from, but he is truly just a really comfortable, natural teacher. Oh, you, when you watch that that video on that that Mark One, it, it's an hour, and and yep. this guy has had to film and concentrate on the, on multiple different procedures, hair hair, uh, hair spray chipping, uh, pigments, and 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 he does it. I, I'd wind up spilling a, a bottle of glue on the on the tank or something. <laughs> we'll have to ask him if he's got an outtake reel. Yes, absolutely. That's, I think m- what most people don't realize for those YouTube modelers who put up that really quality content is how much of an effort that is that, you know, you're watching an hour video and I assure you it did not take them an hour to to do and put up. It took many, many more hours with outtakes, with edits, with all of that stuff before it ever sees YouTube. Oh, I could imagine. I could imagine. I mean, and I'm going to let Evan continue to do that for the hobby, and I'm I'm going to continue to enjoy his video. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Hey, also another thing that was an eye opener was the was the degree of the the kits and what I missed it while being out, and what now exists out there for the guy that wants to build a highly accurate and detailed um, tank model, if you will, and, and and not, again, feel obligated to pour, you know, $400 worth of aftermarket parts into it. There are 100% excellent kits out there that it is the sky's the limit, right? I mean, when I, when I got out, it was still, it was just at the beginning of the dragon you know, for for many years, I think they were they were the kings. Um, but now there's just so much out there, and a lot of it is good. 
Well, one of the things Mike and I have talked about previously on on previous episodes is I think for guys entering or re-entering the hobby today, that ability to get quickly up to speed is enhanced by the fact that the kits are so much better engineered now, that the tolerances are so much better. I mean, back in the day, you know, you got you have a Tamiya T34 and you have to plastic card fill in the sponsons so yeah. that you don't so that you don't have a see-through tank. Right. And now now not only do you not have to do that, but everything fits so well and the detail, the level of detail is so much better. Back in the old day, you would have had to add photo etch or something else to get that level of detail that now naturally comes with the kit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that maybe, maybe here as we're wrapping up, I'll give you my couple quick tips on what I would tell anybody if they were getting in the hobby in regards to kits. But yeah, I, I have definitely, you know, it, it's still nice to dip back and every once in a while, take a shot at a, a good Tamiya kit, but um, yeah. Wow. Just good stuff out there. And then, and then also, I guess the third thing that I, um, you know, just just the the stuff, just the stuff that exists for the modeler, you know, the guy that wants to work two hours a night, you know, he 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 has. We talked briefly offline about the acrylic paints. Um, you know, you want to do a diorama. I'm working on a, a a World War One diorama right now, and I'm making a shell hole, and I don't have to mix up resins uh, to make that 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 nasty water that would be in the bottom of a shell hole in world war one I, I i got the vallejo little puddles and you squirt it out and it's done it's it's um it, it there's so much available to enable the person who has limited time because i'm still working i i don't have you know I'm not, i don't have 10 hours a night to, to work on these things it, there's so much available to make these models look good. The acrylic paints alone, and again, I don't mean to alienate anybody who still uses enamel or, uh, or, or, or lacquer or what have you, but I have found that to be the game changer for me. Oh, I completely agree with you. The, the, there is so much more. Uh, the thing I'm loving right now are the new AK watercolor pencils, uh, you know, there's just so much to assist the modeler today in becoming a good modeler. Maybe to fault, right? You have to, as a modeler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. You have to, you have to, as a modeler today, say, this is what I use for this. And if it works, you know, we always want to try something and everything, but you, you could you have to be a little bit careful not to not to fall too deep into that rabbit hole. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, we uh we wisecrack about enamel paint lines or any paint line for that matter that comes out. They 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 often get a chuckle in our phase and yawns segment when we run that one, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but we're, we're, uh, we're still waiting for the uh branded PMM paint line that will will be coming soon to a hobby shop near you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you, you'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what what about the acrylic paints? Do you like why why was that the game changer for you? Oh, it's a great question. In 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 um, 
I, I just am a kid. You remember, I was a kid, right? And, and not an Evan. I was a Brandon. And, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember the humble tins and you'd open them up and you'd have to pry them open like a godforsaken paint, paint can. And half the time, your little 14-year-old hands would bobble it and, and you'd wind up spilling humble paint all over the place. And, uh, and uh, you had to clean the paintbrushes with solvent. Um, and I never, ever, ever had a Badger, I think, 110 airbrush. And and that might have been the thing that ultimately drove me out of the hobby is I, I don't think I ever was able to spray spray with that thing uh, properly. And it, it just, the, the acrylics, you could, you could spray it on. There's no bad odor. Uh, it cleans up easily. And most importantly, it dries. It's dry. I go out and airbrush and, and, and let it sit for... 30 minutes. And if you're careful enough with it, you could, you could almost handle that model later, later that evening. Remember, remember in animals, you're a kid and you went down uh, the next day and you, you picked up the model and, and <laughs> it was still wet, right? You know, and, and uh, that just drove me crazy. In fact, I'll tell you an interesting story. Going back to uh, model master paints. I did have a few of them in my little box when I came back into the hobby and for old time's sakes, I opened them and I, <laughs> I threw them all in the garbage. They stunk so bad. And they were bad. I, I didn't throw away good paint. But that that toxic smell, it was just brutal. Yeah, some folks are, are more sensitive to that. You know, but I tell you, you're right though. The stuff does spray and dry. Some of it does. Not 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 all of it is is uh is uh, easy to get get on with. But uh you know, I've been using Tamiya acrylics pretty much since it came out. I remember when it came out in the eighties and I've been using it ever since, mostly for my base coats. Uh, I do it a lot different now than I used to do it, but uh, I always thought it was doing what it was supposed to do when it, when I was using it. So as I can, long, I can understand that. As long as it's coming out of an airbrush, you know, don't, don't, don't try to brush that. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. you, you cannot brush you, to, to me, a brush painted is no, that's, that's painful. <laughs> but yeah, I use that. I, I have a lot of Alejo's, uh, but but I use predominantly the Tamiya acrylics, and uh, you know I, I don't know you, we could go on and on about what, what what people cut it with. I cut it with ninety percent alcohol, and it works just fine for me. I, I I don't know if I'm lucky, but I just don't you know it, it's what I don't have to think about it. I'm going in the in in into my garage the, the airbrush, and it, it it's just what what's become something that I loathed in the hobby is now something pleasurable. Well, that can make or break it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah when it starts becoming like work or unpleasant, that's when it's not any fun anymore. Yeah. That's, that's the opposite of hobby. And we're big proponents of fun in this hobby. Absolutely. We are. When did you get back in? How long have you been back in? Late 2017 is when I discovered the, the uh, missing Chiha tank and started building it. And really, I would call eighteen my um, my um, real first year back in. So about four years. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've probably you've probably come a pretty good ways back in four years because. Yeah, you um, know, again, I, I I do okay. I you know I'm competitive. I I you know not everybody not everybody likes to build and put in contests, but we I had a great conversation with somebody. Can't remember his name at San Antonio. But it was like it's not not whether you win or lose in a contest. What what contests do 
is is it pushes you to finish, right? Like that tank is sitting there on on your on your table and you're stuck, and all of a sudden, oh my God, uh, Model Fiesta is in three weeks. You're gonna work. You're gonna get over that hump, right? Um, and we work we work hard enough on these things. Again, whether or not we win first place or not is it's whether or not you feel good about putting it on the table and, and showing it to people. And, and um, yeah, in the four years, I definitely feel comfortable in, in putting my stuff up on the table. Well, cool. You think you will make it up to nationals in the Omaha? Um, I'm not going to make nationals going to be on a, a, a big, big hike in 2020, which, which by the way, I'm going to miss out on, on some building this year. But, um, but and, and I did go to Chattanooga though. You attended the best. Na- I've I've attended now. I think twenty six nationals. You attended the best national that I've ever been to. No kidding. I was a v- first and only one because remember, San Marcos was those poor guys in San Antonio. They had a they had to push theirs to twenty twenty three. Really would like to go to Omaha. I think that'd be a great stop, but no, I, I I won't make it this year. Let let me urge you to rearrange your plans and go to Omaha because <laughs> I've been to the last two Omaha Nationals. And let me tell you, again, having attended 26 Nationals, Omaha does a great job. Um, you know, a lot of people think Omaha, mm, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's, it's a great place. There's lots to see. There's good food, and the convention facility is fantastic. Well, I mean, and that makes totally good sense. I mean, people in the middle of nowhere is nothing. You're going to a model contest, so that's seventy five percent of your, your 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 reason for being there. And you could see Omaha. You might might never go to Omaha other than that model contest. So I, you know, I, I do plan as. Um, as of yeah, I, I'm I am absolutely working already 2023 around the the San Marcos show. I mean, I will not miss that for the world, right? I mean, that's just right yeah. right there. But um, yeah, I, I think the nationals are great. Um, I was smart enough. I had to fly in. I was smart enough to pack a small bag, and I told myself when that bag was filled, I was done spending. <laughs> <laughs> Guess how long it took. Guess, guess how long the bag took to be filled. Yeah. Well, see, and that—that that is the problem with. Uh, I, and I loved Vegas. It was fantastic. But the problem that you have to any convention you fly into is there are limitations. Whereas a convention that you drive to, like Omaha, um, we're going to have a big vehicle and. Basically, there will be no limitations on anything like that. We don't have to worry about the TSA handling our models, or they. we don't have to worry about having to check a bag or if it's overweight or anything like that. So, uh, you know, if you can drive to a contest, it's it's awesome. Oh, I could, I, I could imagine. I mean, you know, that's interesting that you say that, because if I was, in fact, attending Omaha, here I am. I'm, I'm new. What do guys do who fly? Do they just bring one build and kind of carefully pack it and carry it on? It, 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 what's the what's the norm? I mean, in, it's, in, it's, in general, the one thing you definitely want to do is don't check a built model. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> usually, people will 
you know, in 70, just to give you an example, I build 70 second scale, relatively small. I was able to take four models out to, out to Las Vegas in something no big, in a Tupperware container, no bigger than a shoebox. Sure. Uh, that makes sense. I can fit it. Now, if you've got a big honk and diorama, you're not going to take that on an airplane to a contest. But, you know, if you're an armor modeler, 35th scale armor, you know, you can, you can transport a Chiha and FT-17 and a little M8 armored car and still have it in a very small uh, Tupperware container. But yeah, people who fly, usually the models are the one thing that they don't let go of. They don't put it in the overhead. They put it on their lap and that's the way it gets to the, to the, to the site, which does limit the number of models people can enter. Yeah, I mean that's always been something that I that I uh, wanted because when I went to Chattanooga, was, I, I was on business and I just didn't have I I wasn't ready to, to enter a nationals anyways. I mean, still uh, still still too new back in the hobby. And and you don't have to enter to have fun. Now I urge everybody to enter. Uh, whether you win or lose is irrelevant. The the level of modeling at the nationals is insane. But even if you don't enter. Just going to the Nationals and seeing all of this insanely good work is really inspiring. Oh, I was I was inspired. That's for sure. It was uh, it, it was um, I, again. I hate to miss it, but but it, it may be maybe reality here this year. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You said you had some ideas about what you would advise someone else coming off a long time out of the hobby or just getting into the hobby. Yeah. Uh, won't we finish up on that topic? All right, let's do it. I would, I would, if someone like myself who, you know, was completely out of it, or even if somebody was just getting into it, and I think there's some of that going on with COVID and, and things like that. I think we, we certainly have people who are, you know, their last model they built was a snap together in, in 1975. Um, you know, I would first say define why you're getting back in. And I think, uh, I'm not sure which one, Michael or David, which one said this, but you were com- competitive and, and there was maybe a little bit of a burnout. You know, maybe you define, I'm going to get in it uh, and I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for relaxation, or it could be, I want to take it to the next level. But define what what you want the hobby to be because it's healthy when you start couple years in, you're able to look back and say, okay, I'm still on track here. I'm not getting out of control. I'm not going down crazy tangents. I'm still enjoying it. Um, Then I would say number two, and I kind of touched on it already, is stop before you do anything and say, what did I not like and what did I, what was I not good at? Okay. Before you do anything, and then get on YouTube and watch. You didn't work good at airbrushing. Type in airbrush, uh, 135 scale model airbrush, da, 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 and 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 you know watch a, watch a video or two. I didn't like. You, you get my point, right? Because if if you hated doing something or you didn't understand something or it was hard, today there's a solution that I promise you is an easier solution than there was 30 years ago. Okay. Then number three, and, 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 and I didn't follow this advice, guys. I, okay, so, but I'm going to give this advice. 
you know, the nostalgia build is a big thing when you get back in. Wow, man, I've never built that Chiha tank. Wow, I never built that Tamiya 88 millimeter, you know, flat gun. I'm, I'm, you go to an IPMS show and, and you're like a drunk sailor buying, you know, 30-year-old kits, which are not expensive, but, you know, I did that, right? Oh, my God, you know, oh, look at this one. And, you know, I, I drive home from the Houston uh, Model Mania with, with, a, with a truckload of stuff. What happens is you'll go through that nostalgia phase and then you'll start expanding. Oh, wow. That kit's pretty, that, that's a, that kit's five years old. And you're lucky because you could typically get these kits, but, um, you know, that kit's five years old. Oh, that subject's cool. And it's a hundred times better than, a, than something that was molded in 1975. And all of a sudden you'll have a closet full of, you know, kits that are cool and nostalgic, but not necessarily ones that you want to build. I would recommend to anybody getting back in in year number one for really every dollar that you spent on a kit, spend about three on all the stuff that you need to make that kit look good. And I don't know if that's an exact, you know, one, one to three, one to two, but, you know, spend a lot of money on the new paints, spend a lot of money on that new airbrush, spend a lot of money on as, as crazy as it sounds that Tamiya turnstile thing that as a kid you would never spend $25 on but as an adult buy that thing because you could put your model on and spin it around as you're painting it and it, <laughs> you get my point right resupply with the tools and don't fill your closet with models because those models are always going to be there they're always going to be available good advice yeah i you know i do a nostalgia build every now and then and and uh but that, that's coming at it at a much later point in my modeling career. And I, I know exactly what I'm getting into. And I've, I've got my mind on those projects where it really doesn't matter all that much. But yeah, I get what you're saying. You, you get, you buy the old Tamiya Flak 88 and then somebody shows you the, the more recent Dragon when you're like, oh man. And then now there's a new one coming out from Border. That's probably going to make the Dragon one look, Dragon folks say, oh man. I went a little deeper. I bought... I bought three of the 88s. I built oh. one. I built one and now I have two in my stash. And, you know, it's one of those things where you go, and, 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 again, you know, these are like IPMS show $15 grabs. We're not, we're not talking about crazy money here, but you, you step back after four years, right back in four years and you go, uh, you know, I probably don't need two Tamiya 88s in my stash. Brandon. I want to thank you for, for coming on board tonight and telling us about your, your show experience and then your upcoming show as well. And, uh, letting us learn about your, your, your path back to the hobby, because I tell you, uh, one of the reasons that interested me is that Dave and I get regular listener mails from folks who, uh, either for the pandemic or reasons unknown have come back into the hobby after a long time off, or they're just getting into it. So it's all, it's always interesting. Dave, what do you got? Um, listen, uh, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I think yours is not a solo experience. Uh, I think COVID, I mean, judging from membership numbers in our own local chapter and in IPMS USA, um, indicate that a lot of folks have gotten back into the hobby. So I'm sure that a lot of folks will be interested in your perspective. And before you leave, we definitely need you to pimp your show one more time. Give us the dates. Give us the location. 
Thank you so much. Again, it's Winter Blitz, and it is going to be held on Saturday, January 22nd in the Museum of the American GI in College Station, Texas. Um, anybody who wants to uh, grab more information on Winter Blitz, feel free to go to the website winter-blitz.com. And that's a dash to me is a little minus sign. Um, kind of ironic if, if you didn't, well, URLs can get very expensive if you, <laughs> you have to get choosy. So winter-blitz.com, all the information, January 22nd. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's an all-day thing, but because it's just armor, it's not going to be that all day to six o'clock thing. It's nine o'clock to about four o'clock. We'll be out of there with awards and all that good stuff. Sounds great. All right. Well, good luck with that show and uh, keep on enjoying your return to the hobby. Well, I hope to hope to see you guys at a, at a, at a national one day, man. I look forward to it. I, it'd be great to, great to meet you all. And thank you for uh, letting me come on your podcast. I can guarantee you, uh, if you're at San Marcos, you'll see me there. <laughs> All I got to say is uh, it'll be hot. And if you're driving around that part of Texas, just watch out for deer. Gotcha. Well, we're used to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost hit a deer on the way to the show the other morning. But anyways, that's another story. Dave, it was nice to talk to Brandon. I'm, I'm glad he reached out. And uh, I hope his Winter Blitz show is a, su- is a success. Yes, and, we'll uh, have to get a report from him when it's uh, when it's done. You know, another one of those uh, on-location museum-type shows. So I'm real curious how that's going to go down and uh, look forward to seeing photographs from that. Yeah, that's becoming more popular, more uh, holding shows in all of these museums around the country. Um, Mike, have you finished your modeling fluid? I've finished two of my modeling fluids, Dave. Uh, I've finished uh, one of my modeling fluids <laughs> as well, and... Uh, I got to say, you were not lying. Uh, bullet price for the money. Now, I picked this up at uh, the uh, liquor store attached to the Kroger right up near my house. And they had it on special for like 20 or $21 uh, for a bottle. You should have bought and the Nationals may- bottle. I Yeah, really. Well, it still may be on sale. I may go up and get it and lay it away. Because this is fantastic for for that kind of price point. The quality is just really, really nice. You aren't lying when you talk about it. It is a very, very nice bourbon. Well, good. And we'll enjoy some of that together soon. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Three Floyds never disappoints. No, never does that. I've had exactly one Three Floyds that dis- that I didn't like. That's the Robert the Bruce because I don't like Scotch ales. So it's a it's a solid IPA, zombie dust, cool can. It's got the zombie or the litch or whatever it is on on, the, on yeah. the can. If you can buy it in your market, go pick up something from Three Floyds. If you like craft beers, uh, I think you're going to like it. And yep, absolutely. Between that one and Gumball Head and Barbarian Haze and. Gosh, a couple others that I can't remember. I mean, they're just all space, space station. Yep. They're all just rock solid. All of them. Yes, they are. You Now I, I, I would prefer gumball head over the one you're having, but any, I, I've never been disappointed other than the, again, I don't like Scotch ale. So I didn't like their Robert, the Bruce, but I, any of their others, I have never been disappointed by a three Floyds. They should sponsor the show. 
Yes, I know. We need to get contact <laughs> with them. As much free advertising as we give them, you know, they ought to at least be kicking a six pack to us or something. Or something. Or something. I'll take a t shirt. There you go. At this point, I'll take a shit. That's right. Uh, as Goose says, I'll, I'll, I'll just take a girl who'll talk dirty to me. Uh, so, Mike, do you have a shout out for the month? I've got a few, and they're all on okay. the same, same thing, same theme. The recent additions to the ranks of the of the contributing to Plastic Model Mojo, I want to thank John Pisano, Mike Idakavich, Tom Romanowski, Chris Church again, Eric Kenser, Mike Strucker, and Don Gilman. They have all come to us with uh, contributions either through Patreon or through PayPal. If you'd like to follow in their footsteps and help support this show and help us bring you a lot of great content for 2022 and beyond, uh, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash plastic model mojo or just go to patreon.com and you can search plastic model mojo in their internal search function there you can set up a reoccurring contribution if you like at any level we don't care we'll take uh, whatever you're willing to, to offer us and it's That's uh, right. really appreciated uh, if you'd like to do it on your own you can do so by going to plasticmodelmojo.com and there is a heart icon in the upper right hand corner of the screen that goes directly to our paypal link and you make a one-time contribution there. So if you want to do more than one there, you you have to go do that at whatever frequency you would like, but one and done's cool with us. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for everything you've contributed so far. Uh, We're looking forward to bringing another, another fresh season of uh, plastic model mojo. Absolutely. And I second that. And uh, as I said on the previous episode, if you have contributed either through Patreon or PayPal, uh, if you haven't sent us, would you please email plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com? Please mail us your name and full mailing address. We're not selling the, this information or anything like that. We'd like to use it to send out thank you cards, to send out, we have the occasional sticker or uh, coaster or some other swag that we're working on. And, and we'd like to, to be able to express our thanks to the guys who've contributed. So uh, please do that. Well, that's all I've got. Dave, you got any more? I've got one shout out, man. Let's hear it. This shout out is to John Panani of Plastic Posse Podcast. John, recently, for reasons that I do not understand, he is either crazy or a genius or a masochist. John ran for and voluntarily ran for, as far as I know, no one held a gun to his head and made him do it, uh, ran for and was elected second vice president in IPMS USA. Now, second vice president sounds like, oh, well, that's a, you know, that's a, a make work job. That sounds like something that a Chicago union boss would give to his uh, cousin to, to, you know, put him on the payroll. But in IPMS USA, the second vice president is the guy who is the board member in charge of the national contest. It is the single job that is the most work in IPMS USA, probably even more work than the president. And first time I met John in person, I walked up to him uh, in Las Vegas and I asked him, what the hell's wrong with you that you would voluntarily walk into this? 
but John did it. John got elected. John has ideas. Uh, I'm on the IPMS USA eBoard as the recruitment retention secretary. So I get to interact with John on eBoard meetings and such. And he is bringing energy and new blood and ideas and inspiration. And, you know, what a lot of people don't appreciate is all of the folks on the e-board are giving up time that they otherwise would be modeling to do e-board related stuff. So I, I salute John for stepping up, taking that on, and wanting to make the Nationals experience better for all of the folks who attend the Nationals. So even though I think he's insane, I've got to give a shout out to Bonatti. He, he's, he stepped up and not just put, you know, he put his money where his mouth was and, and stepped up and stepped into it. So he may end up in an insane asylum, but until then, I salute you, John. All right. Well, we're coming into this, so we better wrap it up, Dave. I know. We better get this thing done. Get it in the can. Well, as we always say, Dave, so many kits. So little time. I will talk to you soon, Mike. We will talk to you soon, Dave, and uh, see how far we get on this 30-day challenge. Speaking of John Bonanni. Classic Podcast. You got it. All right, Dave. Thanks.